It's Thursday, October the 1st, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, cacophonous debate reverberates and India acquits a demolition crew. First, the world in brief. Republican leaders distanced themselves from President Donald Trump, who hesitated to condemn white supremacists and militia groups during an unruly debate against his challenger, Joe Biden, yesterday. Senators Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham said he should have done so. On social media, the Proud Boys, a bunch of far-rightists, exulted in Mr. Trump's instructions to stand by. The commission that organises this series of debates said it will change the format to ensure that future exchanges are more orderly. The Vatican denied a request from Mike Pompeo, America's Secretary of State, for an audience with Pope Francis and accused him of trying to drag the Catholic Church into his country's presidential election by criticising its relations with China. Mr Pompeo, visiting the Vatican, had called on the Holy See to get tougher over China's stifling religious freedoms. A court in India acquitted all 32 people, including senior leaders of the ruling Hindu Nationalist Party, accused of crimes relating to the destruction in 1992 of the Babri Masjid, a 16th-century mosque in Ayodhya. The demolition triggered a wave of Hindu-Muslim violence and left 2,000 people dead. Last year, India's Supreme Court paved the way for a Hindu temple to be built where the mosque once stood. Trading on the Tokyo Stock Exchange was halted for the day after an unexplained series of technical glitches. At about $6 trillion, the TSE is the world's third largest after New York and Shanghai. Trading in Osaka seemed to be unaffected. The Nikkei was rising slightly after a rough Wednesday. The operations of South African Airways, a flag carrier, were suspended after it ran out of cash. Meanwhile, Air Asia shut down its Japanese joint venture, and American Airlines and United Airlines began furloughing over 32,000 workers. A new report by the Air Transport Action Group, a trade body, said 46 million of the 88 million jobs supported by the global aviation industry could be lost because of the pandemic. Royal Dutch Shell announced plans to cut between 7,000 and 9,000 jobs, of which 1,500 will be voluntary redundancies. The energy giant is trying to slash costs in response to pressures created by the pandemic and the transition to cleaner energy. It expects that the restructuring will save up to $2.5 billion a year by 2022. And Britain's economy shrank less than expected in the second quarter of this year. At 19.8%, the quarter-on-quarter fall was still the largest on record and more severe than other big economies. With fewer opportunities for spending, the share of disposable income saved by households shot up to 29.1% from 9.6% in the previous three months. And now, here's today's agenda. No longer welcome, America's refugee cap. Every year, the president has the opportunity to decide whether the Statue of Liberty will live up to her title of Mother of Exiles. Today, on the first day of the fiscal year, Donald Trump should set the upper limit on the number of refugees entering America in consultation with Congress, although the decision often comes late. 
In his first year in office, Mr Trump set a record low ceiling of 50,000 and he has continued to reduce it. Last year, the cap was set at 18,000, although a pause in resettlements prompted by COVID-19 meant the actual number of refugees admitted has been barely half that. Although the limit has hit new lows under this president, it has been falling for decades, apart from during a 10-year period starting in the mid-1980s. Forty years ago, the ceiling was set at over 230,000 people. America's golden door is rusting shut. Dangerous Escalation – Nagorno-Karabakh The conflict over Nagorno-Karabakh has exploded into violence again, threatening to plunge Armenia and Azerbaijan into outright war. Over 100 people have already been killed in clashes between the two sides, which began on September 27th and awakened memories of a war that devastated the region in the 1990s. America, the EU and Russia have all called for a ceasefire. Turkey, meanwhile, has openly backed the Azerbaijani offensive to retake the breakaway province. Nagorno-Karabakh is majority ethnic Armenian and controlled by Armenian forces, but internationally recognized as part of Azerbaijan. The Armenians also occupy surrounding territory in Azerbaijan. Turkey already supplies its ally with drones, which have been used in the fighting, and is said to have deployed Syrian mercenaries to Baku, Azerbaijan's capital. Were the fighting to escalate further or to spread from Nagorno-Karabakh to Armenia, it could force Russia to intervene. A forgotten, frozen conflict risks snowballing into a regional one. Med Mediation – The EU and Turkey Turkey's regional belligerence will be on the agenda when the European Union's leaders meet today to discuss its involvement in another dispute. The bloc is considering sanctions over the country's posturing in the eastern Mediterranean. Cyprus and Greece, among others, have called on the EU to punish Turkey for what they say are repeated violations of their maritime sovereignty by Turkish drilling and navy ships. To get its way, Cyprus has blocked EU sanctions against Belarusian officials responsible for that country's sham presidential election and the ensuing crackdown against protesters. But sanctions against Turkey seem unlikely since it tentatively agreed with Greece to resume talks suspended in 2016. Many European governments, keen as they are to avoid new tensions with their troublesome neighbour, are breathing a quiet sigh of relief. As for today's meeting, the EU is likely to do what it does best when it comes to dealing with Turkey – kick the can down the road. Golden Ticket China goes on holiday. Today, China celebrates 71 years of communist rule as well as the mid-autumn festival during which emperors once worshipped the moon. For China's people, this double observance means an extended eight-day Golden Week holiday, the first time since the COVID-19 pandemic that many feel they can truly relax. China has recorded no new locally transmitted cases in weeks. Flights and trains on popular domestic routes have sold out, a measure of pent-up demand and scant opportunity for overseas travel. Seven million went abroad last year. Over 15 million people will fly around China this holiday, 10% more than last year, reports Kunar, an online travel agency. All told, some 600 million holidaymakers will be on the move. Their numbers are down by almost a quarter compared with last year's break. 
But to prevent viral flare-ups, tourist attractions have reduced capacity. China's millions are ready for the queues. If revenge spending, splurging as soon as shops reopened, was this spring's trend, then this autumn's is revenge travel. New hand on the till, Tesco's boss. Tesco, Britain's largest supermarket chain, has a new boss today. Ken Murphy, previously chief commercial officer at Walgreens Boots Alliance, takes over a company in good shape. The previous CEO, Dave Lewis, took the helm in September 2014 in the aftermath of an accounting scandal and amid a sense that the firm had lost its way after a bout of overexpansion and a series of high-profile fights with suppliers. He made the simple but effective decision to concentrate on the core business of British food retailing rather than continuing to expand the firm's operations. Investment in areas like garden centres and cafes was cut back. The firm's Southeast Asian business was sold off earlier this year following a disposal of its South Korean assets in 2015. The strategy paid off. Over the past five years, Tesco's operating margin has doubled and its market share has stabilised. Mr Lewis has certainly earned his loyalty points. Finally, here's the quote of the day from E.B. White, who died on this day in 1985. A despot doesn't fear eloquent writers preaching freedom. He fears a drunken poet who may crack a joke that will take hold. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.